Tiffany family. How are you doing? It is Pastor Deanna and Pastor Sean and our friend Tiffany Meredith. She is originally from Denver, Colorado, and she's been a missionary in Honduras now for several years. And I'd like you to just introduce yourself to our congregation, if you would, please. Hi, I'm Tiffany. Uh, I'm from, like she said, I'm from Denver, but I've been living in Honduras, San Pedro Sula, for the last five, a little over five years now, uh, working with uh, kids and youth primarily in the areas of discipleship and worship. And I really feel lucky to be able to do what I'm doing in Honduras and to be a part of what God is doing there. Awesome. I was, I was there on, on the same team at the, the church where Tiffany was when uh, she sold all of her stuff and went overseas. I remember um, that journey. I, rem I, I bought uh, an air conditioner from room air conditioner from you. <laughs> I remember you, did, you, were, right. you, were, you were selling everything. <laughs> I was. And uh, man, what an incredible testimony um, to everybody there at the church. And you're uh, still just an incredible testimony. Now, um, Deanna and I have both had the opportunity, separate trips, um, to go and visit and be a part of ministry with Tiffany. I went down with the uh, ELN Echo students. Uh, maybe what was that three four years ago now I think it's been um, like five years oh wow yeah. <laughs> and then Deanna and the girls that was uh just this year now 2018 so, yep. oh, geez. <laughs> a year and a half yeah right oh my goodness time flies it's time and, for you guys to come back <laughs> I know it is we, we that's why we want to introduce you to our destiny family they have yet to meet you and so, um, well, tell us about some of the different uh, the ministries and partnerships that you have down there in Honduras. Okay. So, yeah, over the five years, our ministry has kind of been able to do a little bit of everything, but we are primarily focused on kids and youth. We noticed that in Honduras, it's a very poor country, um, and there's an orphanage that we do a lot of work with and serving at. And the orphanage is primarily for kids who are malnutrition, malnourished, um, who haven't had enough to eat and it's caused all kinds of different issues. And we noticed that those kids, because they didn't have anything to eat in their homes, had to, to leave their families, be sent away to this orphanage where they were, um, where they're able to, to, be kind of fixed back up, healed, fed, all of that to be able to go back home. And we just started seeing that there was a huge need um, of hungry people. And so we found that one way that we were able to serve the Honduran people as well as open a door for greater things was through feeding programs. And so we now have feeding programs in different villages and different uh, parts of Honduras where every single day we have a hot meal for the kids. And for most of them, that's their only for sure meal of the day. A lot of their parents, um, their families just kind of live hand to mouth. So like their moms will sell papayas on the street corner or sell juices on the street corner or whatever. Um, and so there's not a lot uh, of food food for them. So we found that when we have, uh, we always work through local churches as well. We partner through local churches, believing that the local churches who is what God has established to reach the people. And so we are kind of a support to the local church um, and to reach, to reach these communities. And so the kids come to the local church for that feeding program every day. They receive a hot meal. They receive um, a Bible lesson, just lots of hugs, obviously, and prayer. Um, and we've seen that it's opened up 
huge doors of opportunity in their families and their communities. And we're seeing families now don't have to be separated. They're able to stay together. Um, and it's interesting, even with everything that's going on with COVID right now, we haven't been able to have our, our kids meeting in the feeding program, uh, but we send the food home with them. And we've heard testimonies from the kids that they're leading their parents to Christ at home. Because uh, normally they spend most of the day with us, but now they're spending all day at home and they're able to share about how good God is and their parents are seeing how God provides and their kids are able to lead their parents into salvation. So just in the last three weeks that Honduras has been in a forced uh, quarantine, we've seen 32 salvations and we, uh, our team didn't do anything. We can't do anything. So um, we're just really thankful that, that God is is using these feeding programs and using these kids and we're seeing big changes in their communities. Yeah. Wow. Now, yeah. now tell us a little bit about um, what prompted you. Uh, I think, I think the church needs to hear, um, you know, from someone who took a bold step like you did of courageous faith. Cause that's, that's what we need to be walking in right now. Right. Is, is in our hope and, and our, the, the strong foundation that we have in Jesus. Now um, I don't like to, to put labels on any nation, but Honduras, is it still kind of labeled the, the murder capital? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't actually know the current statistics, but yeah, we're still up there for mm -hmm. uh we were at one time, I don't, we might still be the mm -hmm. murder capital of the world, more murders per capita than any other country in the world. Um, most of that is because of the gang drug war type things. Um, so yeah, a lot of violence and a lot of poverty. Um, and if I could share the story of like the first time I went to Honduras, yeah. um, I was the missions coordinator at the church that Sean and I both worked at together in Colorado. And um, I had made contact with a pastor in Honduras through like this kind of weird chain of events. And so a group of us went down just to kind of see how our churches could partner together. But all we knew about Honduras was the bad stuff that you find on the internet about it being the murder capital of the world and all of these other things. And so I secretly was a little bit afraid to go, <laughs> but I got on the plane and as the plane started to land in San Pedro Sula, the pilot comes on and he says, um, Unfortunately, the runway has been vandalized and all of the lights have been broken out and we're not going to be able to land in San Pedro Sula right now. So we're going to circle in the air while they try to fix it um, or until we run out of gas, in which case we will have to land in El Salvador. And so I'm like on the plane with the team like, God, where are you sending us? <laughs> and so I just started praying in that moment and just asking God for his peace and uh, he spoke so clearly to my heart and said, I don't want you to be overwhelmed by the darkness of my country, of this country, because my light is here and I want you to look for what I'm doing. And so before my feet ever even touched Honduran land, God had kind of commissioned us with that, look for what I'm doing, I'm at work in this place. And honestly, that, that is what I've seen. I've seen um, a people hungry and open to the things of God and God doing incredible things in some of the worst possible places that oh. you can imagine on earth. So God's really at work there. Wow. <laughs> I love it. I, well, I think when I think of you, honestly, I think of, uh, you know, somebody with a strong faith. One of my uh, favorite stories that you share is the, the one where um, you went into the prison and I, I believe it was a worship service of some sort. Can you tell that story? Yeah. Sure. 
Yeah. So this was actually before I was living in Honduras. This was one of my trips that I had taken um, prior to moving down. And I was asked to go and sing and lead some worship in the prison in the murder capital of the world. <laughs> so of course, without thinking too much about it, I just said, yes, of course that, you know, and I was picturing in my head prison, like we know it, you know, orange jumpsuits, handcuffs, lots of armed guards around. And so when I walked into the prison, I quickly realized that it was nothing like an American prison. The, basically what it is, is there's a, a wall that keeps the prisoners inside um, but on the guards don't go inside as long as the prisoners don't come outside. And so inside the walls of the prison, uh, which is built for about 800 and usually has around 3000 inmates. So it's very crowded and it's just a wall inside there. They have formed their own society. They buy and sell things. They, um, build their own structures of places to live. They have their own, uh, law enforcement, if you will. Um, and so as I'm walking through this place to get to the church, which was started by prisoners who found Christ inside prison, um, I was just, I was just like, where in the world am I? And so we started leading worship and the people just responded in such a free way. First of all, there was like 600 people in attendance um, and they were just so free. They were dancing and they were um, shouting and singing and crying and just completely in the presence of God in such a way that I was like, what am I doing on this stage? They're leading me into worship. Yeah. And um, so when I finished singing, I got down off of the stage and just could feel the presence of God so heavy. And that's the moment actually when God spoke to my heart and said, when you go back to Colorado, sell your stuff. I want you to be a part of what I'm doing here in Honduras. Wow. And so it was about a year after that moment that I was officially living in Honduras. So that's awesome. That. <laughs> wow. Hey guys, this is Pastor Sean. We're going to take a quick break from the chat with Tiffany. And I want to show you some footage that I personally took in my time with Tiffany and V-Love International in Honduras. Check this out.
I, I, one of my favorite memories personally when I was um, there with the uh, Echo team was when we, uh, you, your ministry was invited into the neighborhood and the alley of the drug cartels uh, of the neighborhood because of children's ministries that you had been doing. And to me, it was, it was like a movie scene, you know, the, 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 like the levels of security that we had to, to break through, you know, to get there. And then just these, these lawn chairs that were set up, you know, for the service there and the, the, the moment that our students, I mean, it seemed like right when we got there, like the music started and just worship kind of just erupted. Yeah. And I, I just remember that it was just one of the most beautiful moments, I think, of worship that I've been able to experience. I watched watching our young uh, adults that were with us just kind of dancing in the streets, you know, and which, which was kind of took me aback. You know, I was like trying to find my camera to catch the moment and uh, just such a beautiful I thing think that happened that night. That's one of the biggest things I've learned in my time in Honduras is like really the only thing you need to attract people is the presence of God. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, you know, because even in that situation, we were literally in the middle of the street and it was like a bring your own chair type of situation. And people saw us loving on these kids in the park so much so that they're like, well, we want that for our families. And they're, you know, head drug people and they're like, we'll be security, you'll be safe, you know, but please come tell our families about Jesus. And so like, I've just learned that like places like that, places like the prison, all these different places, like it doesn't matter what kind of program you have or, or anything, people are drawn to the presence of God and God does what he does when we just host his presence and give him a place to, to be and to move. So. Amen. Well, uh, one last thing, and then I will have you uh, share with the church. Um, I, I just wonder, you know, what is it like um, to be, you know, a single female missionary in, in the place that I, I think a lot of people would be scared to go um, and to, to walk, you know, to be a person that walks in faith, you know, that, that will walk into, I know you walk into hospitals and you pray for the sick, and I, I know you still go to prisons. I know you go to some, some tough places. You know, we have a lot of people now that are living in fear because of, you know, the culture and the thing that's happening with the, this pandemic. Um, you know, what, what is it for you that gives you, um, you know, what is it? I think you're, you're such a, you have a, a voice that you can speak of from a person that's walking in faith in some really dangerous um, situations. Talk about that for a bit. I think for, for me and for all of us, really, we, we get to the point where we have to make a decision that our life is not ours. Mm -hmm. And when we give our lives fully to Christ and surrender our own free will to, to his will, um, at least speaking for me, like that was a decision of my life isn't mine. Even my, my literal physical life isn't mine. My, my plans are not mine. My talents are not mine. I surrender those to God. And so if that means that God wants to send me to a place like Andreas, then I'll go there. Um, and I'll serve him in that way because I made the decision to lay down my life for Christ. And so even when I'm in scary situations, which I've been in or scary places, you know, which I've been in, I just have to remember um, that my life is his or when, when I don't have um, some of the normal things that we want in life, I have to remember, like I laid everything down to live for Christ and to follow Christ. And I know that my reward on the other side of this is far greater 
than any safety I can find on earth or any of the things that I can find on earth. And um, this is my chance to live fully for him. Well, um, thank you for chatting with us, Tiffany. Um, I'm excited for all of our Destiny family to hear from you. So we're going to pass it off to you to, to speak a word of God, a word of encouragement to the Destiny Church. So I just want to share with you guys a scripture that's kind of been my theme verse for the last year. And it's found in James chapter 1, verse 2. And it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work to be sure that you are mature and complete, not lacking anything. And it's always kind of struck me as crazy that we should rejoice in our struggles and in our trials. But over this last year, that's really become my theme verse. Uh, As I've faced some difficult seasons, and right now that we're all in a very difficult season, this verse has so much meaning and so much power. And I want to share a testimony really quick with you. Uh, a story of somebody that I, I work with very closely in Honduras who I think has taken this verse and put it so much into practice in, in a way that challenges me. And it's a story of a friend of mine, his name is Jose. And Jose spent 16 years in a Honduran prison. He was put in prison for murder. A murder that, that he did not commit but nonetheless he was convicted of and he spent 16 years in prison in the beginning of his time in prison he was introduced to jesus christ and he talks about how in prison you have two choices you can either get in heavily into drugs and gang activity and all of those things or you can you can cling to jesus and study his word and grow in your faith And so when he was introduced to Christ, he jumped all in and was able to spend 16 years studying God's word, praying, spending all of his time just seeking God. Not to say that his prison experience was easy. It definitely was not. There were times when he had nothing to eat. He tells stories about how in the middle of the night he could hear people come in and say, nobody turn on the lights and whatever you see when you wake up in the morning, you don't know anything. And then they would wake up and find people had been murdered and and all these crazy stories of things that he experienced during his 16 years in the Honduran prison and all for something that he was in there for that he didn't actually commit. And he talks about how he's so thankful for his time in prison because had he not been in prison had he not gone through this trial of being falsely accused and being in prison he would have never found christ and he would have never had the relationship with christ that he has now but he missed he missed his kids being born he missed his kids growing up he missed all of these things in life he had no freedom he was in one of the most terrible places that i've ever seen on earth but he, he calls it his joy. He says that he's thankful for that time in prison. He even one time had an opportunity to escape. He, had, he was one of the people that the guards trusted inside the prison. And the guards actually one day took him and his family to the beach and he was able to spend time with his family. And while they were there, the guards had gone off to drink and party and do their things. And he was there completely alone, had every opportunity to escape. And it crossed his mind. He, he told his wife, he said, I could leave right now. I never have to go back to prison. I'm an innocent man. I don't have to live like this anymore. And this is about halfway through his prison sentence. But he said, if I'm supposed to leave this place, God will take me out of it. I'm not gonna leave on my own accord. As long as God wants me here, I'll be here. 
and he stayed. He stayed for another six years after that. And then after he gets out of prison, one day he's at the store and guess who he runs into? He runs into the man that he supposedly killed. The man that he supposedly killed wasn't even dead and he runs into him. And you can imagine the look on that man's face when he sees him. He's probably thinking, okay, this is the moment where this man is going to kill me. But he didn't, he said, I bless you. I bless you and God used you mightily in my life. And everyone was telling him, you should press charges, you should sue people, you should do all of these things for all the time that you spent. And he said, but why? Because what I got from the experience was so much more than what I suffered. And now this man is out, he's with his family. They're pastoring in a small community where we have one of our feeding programs. They're actually the directors of one of our feeding programs. And this man is so passionate for God. He can, he can quote the Bible to you because he spent so many years just focused in that. And he's seeing people set free. I'll go sometimes with them, we'll go to a restaurant and he'll run into somebody that he was in prison with. And all they talk about is how God used him in their lives. And so for all this time that he was suffering, that he was wrongly accused, that he was going through these trials, he considers it joy because he said without that, he wouldn't have the relationship with God that he has now. He wouldn't have the ministry that he has now. He wouldn't have a solid family like he has now. And that to me is so challenging because as many trials as I've faced in my life, I've never had to spend 16 years in a Honduran prison falsely accused of something that didn't even happen. But this man's attitude towards it all, he blesses God and he says, God, thank you that you took me to that place so that I could know you the way I know you. How many of us have gone through trials, have gone through times in our lives that we didn't understand and we said, God, why? But if we stop and we think about it from a different perspective like Jose did and say, God brought me here because he had a purpose and a plan for this time, because he needed this to get my heart right with him. He needed this to prepare me for the future ministry that I do. He needed this to have me 100% living for him. And I think about that when I think about my trials and I think about the things that I've gone through and you know what I feel? I feel like God loves me so much and he sees so much potential and good in me that he's willing to fight for it. That he's willing to go through all of this trouble to get my heart right with him, to do this process in my life because he sees who I am, who he's created me to be and how he will use me on the other side. I'm worth the trouble to God to take me through his deep and thorough processes. And we all find ourselves right now in the middle of this situation of, tr of a trial, a trial in every way that we don't know when it's going to end or how it's going to end or how much suffering we're going to endure in the meantime. But I can promise you that if you can find joy in it, if you can trust that God is doing this because he knows who he's made you to be and he knows what he has for you and that these processes is to develop perseverance in us, to develop character in us, to develop strength in us, to get rid of the things that he doesn't want to be part of our hearts, our minds, our lives, to be able to focus ourselves more on him because he knows what is to come. And we look at so many different people in the Bible, heroes of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about all the heroes of the faith. And if you go through that list, all of them at some point went through a trial where everything seemed like it was going to end. You look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had to literally go into a fiery furnace. Talk about a trial. Talk about a trial, but God used it. You look at, at Daniel who went into the lion's den. He was facing death, but God used it. 
And you look at even Jonah who is being disobedient, but God went through the trouble of sending a giant fish to swallow him up so that he could have that experience in the trial in the belly of a whale so that God could could strengthen his character, could develop his character, could, could speak to his heart and get his heart right because God knew what plans he had for Jonah on the other side. And so I want to challenge you today, just let me friend Jose who found himself in a 16 year trial. Just like Joseph, it's funny because Jose in Spanish is Joseph. And just like Joseph in the Bible, who also was in prison for something that he didn't do and went through these trials for years and years of his life. He trusted God and God always showed him favor even in the middle of the trial and God is with you in the middle of your trial. God is showing you favor in the middle of your trial and God is doing it because he thinks that you're worth the fight, you're worth the effort. And there's no lengths that God won't go to to demonstrate his love for you. There's no lengths that God won't go through to, to demonstrate his love for you or to make you the, the person that he created you to be. And so he'll do whatever he has to to perfect us, to take us from glory to glory until we're with him and we're finally perfect in his presence in heaven. So consider it joy. Consider it pure joy when we go through difficulties because God thinks you're worth all the trouble and you are. And what's on the other side is going to be so much more beautiful and it's going to be so worth it. So I pray for you that during this trial or whatever other trials you're facing, it's not like the rest of our life's problems stopped just because of coronavirus. This is just a, 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 another level of trial that we're all going through. But know that God does everything on purpose and everything with purpose. And so whatever the trial is, find joy in it because you know that your God is in it with you. And you know that your God is going to use it for his purpose and his glory, even if it was meant to destroy you. And even if it was meant to evil, meant for evil, the Bible says that God works all things out for our good. And what the enemy meant for evil, he turns in to good. And so you can trust him. You can trust him in the darkest, the darkest of times. You can trust him in the most difficult of battles. When you feel like you're fighting alone, when you have no more strength, you can trust him because he's a good God who has purpose in all he does. And there's nothing you can do on this earth to make a better outcome for yourself than the one that God already has planned for you. He promises us that his plans are to prosper us and to give us a hope in a future. He promises us that in his word. And so we can trust him that there is no trial too great. And when we're in the midst of it, God, we will say, I find joy in this because as hard as the trial is, the greater the glory you're going to receive for the work that you're doing in me. And so I trust you. I surrender myself to your process. Help me to develop the perseverance and, and all the things that you're trying to develop in me so that you can use me in a greater and mightier way. Can I pray with you guys this morning? God, I just thank you for my friends at Destiny Foursquare Church. God, I thank you that you know the exact trials that each one of them are facing right now. God, you know their darkest moments that they've passed through, that they're passing through, that they will pass through. God, the fires that they have to walk through, the challenges that they have to face. But I also know, God, that you are there with them, just as you were with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire, and just as you were with Daniel in the lion's den, and just as you were even with Jonah in the belly of the whale, you are with us now, God. And you are with us in everything that we face. And so I pray, God, that you give them the courage to trust you fully, to trust you in a way that doesn't make sense, to trust in, in the one that we can't see with the outcome that we can't see, but that you'll give them the courage to trust you, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that they will be able to find joy in those trials because they'll know that it's you at work in their lives and they know that it's you that's using this for their good, for a greater purpose to bring glory to your name and to prosper them and not to harm them. God, I pray for each of them as they're in the middle of their trials right now, God, that you give them peace, that you give them strength, and that you give them comfort. 
God, and I pray that you use them for your glory. I pray that you use their struggles and their trials to be able to share of your goodness with those around them, that the trials that they've gone through are now testimonies of your goodness, your faithfulness, your power, and your love that will do anything to fight for us. There's no cost that you wouldn't pay, no price you wouldn't pay to have us, God, and no, no process you wouldn't take us through to have us and to have us be more like you and more prepared to serve you in your kingdom, God. So we praise you and we give you the glory in Jesus' name. God bless you guys. What a powerful and timely message from Tiffany. Hey, this is Pastor Sean one more time. We want to give you an opportunity to give to Via Love International and Tiffany Mara's and her ministry. Um, and Tithely uh, is a one way to do that on our website. You can do that or the app. I want to just walk you through the process and how to do it on our website. This is our homepage. And if you click over onto the Give tab, this is where it will take you, take you to our giving page. If you go there and just scroll down, you'll see the Give Now button, and you'll also see where we have a direct link to download the app if you're comfortable with doing that. I recommend doing that. If you want to give online, just click on Give Now. Now, I am already signed in to my personal account to give, so I don't need to log in. If you, if you need to create one, then you would do that. I'm going to just put in an amount here. The next line is where you uh, say where you're going to give to and we want to select four square missions uh, to be able to give to Tiffany all of the uh, money in that account this week uh, given this week is going to go to Tiffany Mares. just uh, if you want to put in the memo via love international Tiffany that just kind of earmarks it specifically and it's always helpful if you guys can cover the processing fees that we have when giving online then you just click give and it's as easy as that. I hope that you guys are all doing well, um, even in the midst of all the crazy things that are going on in the uncertainty. I just wanted to take a couple of minutes to update you guys on a couple of things regarding myself and regarding Via Love. Um, um, and while it's hard for me to be away from Honduras and from the mission during this time, I also know that God does everything perfectly and that he has me here for a reason. I'm also super lucky and super blessed that we have such an incredible team in Honduras that is just as passionate about the mission as I am and are able to stay on mission in my absence and even in the midst of everything that our world is facing. I just wanted to take some time to share with you guys what this all looks like in Honduras. Uh, as you know, Honduras is a very poor country, a very underdeveloped country, and it's been a little interesting for me being here and seeing um, what life is like here for us. Seeing everyone talking about how fat we're going to get during quarantine and all of these things which there's nothing wrong with the fact that we are blessed and that that we're able to the majority of us are able to stock up on food and just kind of hunker down and um god has blessed us in that way and there's nothing wrong with it but it's been kind of difficult for me to be living in that reality and at the same time be hearing from honduras about what reality is like for them down there and um 
Honduras had to take a pretty hard stand against coronavirus because if you can imagine that our healthcare system is being stretched to its max, imagine a place like Honduras where there isn't a healthcare system. Imagine a place where even when coronavirus doesn't exist, there are waiting rooms. You can spend days waiting to be seen. People die in the waiting room. The hallways of hospitals are filled with gurneys and beds and, and just a terrible, terrible place that it's terrible experiences when you're already in the middle of a crisis. So imagine with coronavirus on top of that, how this could devastate a country like Honduras. And so what they decided to do was close their borders, close down everything and have everyone stay in their homes. The military patrols the streets. Um, so they find people who are out and they only let people go out one time. Uh, to go to the grocery store or to the bank or to whatever when they're open. Sometimes people will, it'll be their day to leave and they'll go to the bank to wait in line and by the time they get to the front of the line, the bank is out of cash and they don't get to try again until the next time their, their number is called. Or they can wait in line at a grocery store to find that there's no more food. Um, and that's talking about the people who have bank accounts, people who have cars that can go to a grocery store. That's the minority. The majority of the people in Honduras live hand to mouth. That means if they don't sell their papayas in the street that day, they don't have anything to eat. Which is the whole reason in the beginning that we started our feeding programs because we had these families who lived so poorly that the kids weren't even guaranteed a meal every day. And so by us offering the food, we're able to bless these families, see these kids nourish, see these families stay together, and it opens a huge door for us to be able to disciple them and share Christ with them and see their families and communities changed. And so when you have people who live day to day and now no longer have a way to even make what they need for that day, what we have going on in Honduras right now is a lot of hungry people. People who are writing, people who are saying, I haven't been able to give my kids anything to eat for three days. And we don't know when anything is gonna be coming. We don't even have a single bean in the house that we can eat and these people are, are crying these people are are desperate and think about it if your kid hadn't had something to eat for three days what would you not do to find food for them you would do anything you had to do and so what we're seeing now is is more robberies people stealing from other people people assaulting cars and, and taking money and food from them because people are desperate and in the communities where we work, you guys know that we have a kids program called Imagine Kids in a dump where the kids already live at the dump. We have programs where we work in shanty towns uh, and in really rural poor villages. So we're talking about the poorest of the poor. With our feeding programs, we've been able, since we can't have the actual feeding program where the kids meet together, we've been able to make food packets so that they're able to eat at home throughout the week in the meantime while everything's closed down. But we have a, a couple of our communities that we're not able to, to get anything to. We're in the process of raising a budget to be able to begin feeding programs in these places and these people, they have nothing and they're so desperate and they're so hungry. We're so humbled by the fact that the Honduran government came to VLF and asked us if we would partner with them in getting food to some of the neediest people in Honduras. And of course we said, we're available, we wanna do that. And so we've been able to reach out to the warehouses that supply the grocery stores where we can actually order food directly from them, put together packets of food, 
And then the National Police of Honduras are actually going to accompany members of the VLF team out into our communities and other communities where people are suffering and be able to give them enough food to last them between one and two weeks, depending on how big the family is. So the groceries will include rice, beans, flour, corn flour so they can make tortillas, sugar, coffee, salt, oil, eggs, toilet paper, all of the basic staples in, in Honduran food uh, so that these families will be able to sustain themselves while we get through, the, through this crisis. And hopefully then we'll see some of the violence and some of the other things going on cease. Um, because their needs are being met and how incredible of an opportunity we're going to have to be able to share Christ. We already have had some great testimonies of kids from our feeding programs who are stuck at home. Normally they're with us most of the day, but they're stuck at home right now and they're telling their parents about how good God is and, and they're leading their parents into salvation. We've seen 32 salvations just since the three weeks that they've been in forced quarantine and we can't even be with them. So we know that God is working and doing great things. We're excited about the opportunity to partner with the government, partner with the police, and to see these people provided for because God is their provider just like he is ours. And so what I'm asking you today, I know that many of you already so faithfully give and we appreciate it that money is being used to meet the families in the communities with our feeding programs. But if you are in a position where you can do a little bit more, it would cost us $25 per family to be able to feed them from one to two weeks with those groceries. So if you would just consider sponsoring one family, two families, four families, whatever you think that you can do, we wanna get food to them as soon as possible. The warehouses are, are gathering the food in faith that we're gonna have the money and we, uh, have the police and everybody ready to go on Tuesday to be able to deliver to deliver these rations to the people. Um, so we just want we want to give you guys the opportunity to be part of it. Please be praying for the safety of our team, um, and please be praying for opportunities to share Christ. Um, we are just so thankful that we're able to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the midst of this. Praying for all of you guys. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you soon. Thank you, Tiffany. And we bless you and your coming and your goings. We Amen. Bless you. Everything that you lay your hand to will be blessed financially, will be blessed spiritually. You'll have people coming into your life and into your ministry like never before. And I just Amen. believe there are going to be some open doors, wide open doors. Amen. Thank you so much. And thank you for this opportunity. I look forward to meeting all of you guys in person, hopefully soon, either there in South Dakota or in Honduras, where we'll be yeah. meeting you guys. <laughs> Please, God bless you. please give a hug to your parents for us. We love them too. And all of our friends back in Honduras, okay? I will. I will. Thanks, guys. We love you, Tiffany. You. Love you guys. See you soon.